0: Welcome to the Missio Day podcast. Missio Day is a family of Jesus, joining God as he makes all things new in Chicago. Check us out online at missiodaychicago.com. Well, hello, church. Uh, So glad that you decided to join us today. We are in the middle of a series on the book of James. And James is one of the most practical, but almost one of the most challenging books in all of the Bible. We are in chapter four, verses 13 through 17. So if you have your Bible or phone with you, or if you just want to check out the screen, I'm going to read the passage before we get started this morning. Verse 13, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good that they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. So I have a feeling that this sermon in particular, you might be tempted to check out a little bit. There might be a number of reasons for that. One is it's not as hard hitting as some of the other passages in James. Others you might say, I've heard this before. It's pretty simple. I just need to say, if the Lord's wills with all of my plans, um, and I am good to go. But as I've studied this passage this week, I've begun to realize Um, that there is a a deep challenge here. There's something that really strikes at the core uh, for myself and I think for our church and for our larger context that we are in. In fact, I believe that this message that James has for us today is calling out the very root of sin. So I want to start in verse 13, because there are four issues that James is raising with these merchants who have planned out their next year, how they're going to make money, where they're going to go, what they're going to do. And I think James um, has trouble with them for four different reasons, as I said. The first is they think that their time is under their control. They say they're going to do these things today or tomorrow. They also think that location is under their control. They're going to go to this town or that town, it says in verse 13. They think that the duration of their business dealings is under their control because they will spend a year there, it says. It says. And fourth, they think that their labors and profits are under their control because it says that they are going to do business and make money. If you just were to read through verse 13, you might get this understanding or maybe this misperception of what James is challenging here. Maybe you, at a first reading you're saying, well, maybe James has a problem with people that are doing business or maybe he has a problem with their greed. Well, though... The, the New Testament speaks a lot about greed. I don't think that's necessarily what's happening here in this passage. I don't think uh, James has issue with them doing business. I mean, there there may be some concerns that that they're going to go to these cities that are worldly cities, is the term that James uses a lot. Um, that, that Moses talked about last week, and they would be influenced, tempted, and to, to live a different way. But I don't think in this context James is worried about their corruption because they're going to these places. I also don't think he's concerned about their their greed here. I think James uh, is less concerned about them making a profit and more concerned about their planning. But is is he is he saying that you shouldn't have any plans? Is he saying that you shouldn't? Um, Think through what your life is going to look like in a week or a month or even tomorrow. I don't think James is saying in particular that we shouldn't have plans or that we shouldn't think through what our life is going to look like. In fact, plans certainly have their place in the Bible. I mean, think about the plans, to, the elaborate plans to build out the tabernacle or to build the temple or even how to go to the promised land. So James' problem isn't that they're planning. His issue isn't with them making profits, at least not here. The issue that James seems to have in this passage that really strikes at the core of our human existence and our life with God is around arrogance. And I would summarize it even more succinctly to say that the problem is our arrogant autonomy. See, these merchants are presuming to have control over their lives. They believe that they can control where they go, what they will do, when they'll go, how long they'll be there. Proverbs 20, 24 says, all our steps are ordered by the Lord. And I think what James is trying to drive home is that uh, we often don't have the control that we think we do over our lives, that we don't know the future and we don't necessarily uh, have the power to change it in a lot of ways. For example, Today is Sunday, and after I listen to myself preach, which is of self is probably a very, it is a very strange thing. Uh, you can imagine watching yourself speak on camera, um, but then uh, we're going to go to our group in Uptown. We're going to have a meeting with our, our church there. We'll take communion. We'll have uh, a short devotional. We'll have times in small groups Later on, we're gonna have lunch and then we're gonna have time as a family on Sunday afternoon to hang out and play and I'll get to play with my kids and then we'll have dinner and after that, we'll put the kids to bed and I'll have a meeting for premarital counseling later that night. So I have my whole day of Sunday figured out. But the truth is, is I don't really know that that's going to happen for sure. Let me make it even more simple. Not one of us listening to this message right now is immune from our cell phones going off right in this moment, right in our pocket and our day and possibly our entire lives completely changing. The idea that we don't have complete control or that we don't have uh, power to change our course is in a lot of ways like an un-American idea, right? We are taught from a very young age that we are control of our destiny, that we are self-made people. But James is saying that we actually lack the knowledge to know what will happen and much of the power to change it. And it's humbling, I, I kind of laugh at people that their social media profile will say self-made. Isn't that a strange thought that you would think that you are the sum of like, what you are today is because you have made yourself what you are. And I get the idea behind it is that people want to say I've, I've worked really hard. I've, I've, uh, I've gone above and beyond what everyone else has gone. Maybe I even grew up in a, in a bad background and I came out of that background and I've, 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 I've overcome. And certainly there are people that have such, have done great things in their life and worked really hard and overcome obstacles. But I do think that James is trying to say that we are much less powerful or in control than we realize. An example might be just this. Imagine that you were born with an IQ that was 30 points lower or 30 points higher than it is right now. Can you imagine the difference in your life, one way or the other? Many of you have careers that require an incredible intellect and don't often realize that your ability to think and process and to work the way that you work truly is a gift. Truly something that you, now I didn't say that you didn't study your books or that you didn't do anything to to work hard, but your career might be utterly unattainable if you were born just slightly different. A lot of people have great pride in, in, in their looks, but not only does beauty change based on culture and eras, but you can't control your skin color, your eye color, how tall you are, and even the shape and form of your body, your metabolism there are so many things that are outside of our control. We didn't control where we were born, the place that we grew up, the education that we received at least for the first 15 years of our life was utterly outside of our control. What if you had the exact same looks and intellect and opportunities but but faced emotional and physical or even sexual abuse your whole life growing up? You wouldn't say that that would impact the person that you are today. When I was in my 20s, I got to travel uh, to a number of countries all around the world, Kenya and Ethiopia and Haiti. And some of these countries, as you know, are third world countries, they would be considered. I met countless people with greater intellect and discipline, harder workers than I have ever been, but their circumstances have kept them from ever having the opportunities that that I have. James is making it clear in verse 14. That we do not even know what's going to happen tomorrow. He uses the term, you are a mist that is gone, that could be gone immediately. It could be gone in a moment. It's kind of like, it's not even like a fog. We think of what James is talking about. as like a fog that goes away in a few hours. The the language here is actually more like a puff of smoke that's gone in an instant. I just think about even my plans this last spring. Plans for my family to go on vacation, plans for our church and things that we wanted to to do in our context and in our place. Things that I wanted to accomplish myself that all got completely wiped away because of a global pandemic that we couldn't foresee. And I have literally no control over changing besides maybe wearing a mask around the city. My point in saying this is that what have we accomplished that hasn't been influenced in at least some way by things outside of our control? All of us could get sick tomorrow, could get injured walking or driving. We could lose our jobs. We could lose our minds. And I'm not saying this to be like to create anxiety or worry people have enough of that as it is. But I think what we're trying to, to indicate here is what James is saying is that, that ultimately to make our plans outside of God's input, outside of God's design is, is foolishness. What I said may feel a bit dark and I want to be clear. I'm not saying that we should be proud of what we've accomplished or that hard work doesn't make a difference or that we shouldn't be confident in who you are and who God has made you to be. And I'm not spouting off this some crazy, hardcore determinism that nothing you do matters or, or making excuses for you to blame your background on all of the, the reasons that you haven't accomplished certain things or to, to kind of like make excuses for your personal sin. It's just that the removal of plans and goals and future and accomplishment without considering God in the middle of it and how that could impact it is what James is striking at. It's this arrogant autonomy that we're living outside of anyone else's input, particularly God's. James makes this, uh, Jesus makes this same point in Luke 12. He's speaking to a man that had just made a lot of wealth and the man's plans were he was going to knock down his barns and build bigger barns and then he's going to take life easy and relax. He's just going to do whatever he wanted to do for the rest of his lives. Jesus says you could spend all your days building that wealth but your life could be required of you this very night. Life does not consist of the abundance of possessions. And so I think Jesus is just trying to, or James is trying to reiterate what Jesus is saying. And what the other uh, Old Testament, New Testament literature are saying is that do not boast about tomorrow if we do not know what the day will bring today goes on in verse 15. It says, instead of being self-confident, this world-oriented attitude, we should qualify our plans and hopes with understanding and submission to the will of God, that we should humble ourselves, that we do not live in a closed system. Paul is a great example of what James is asking us to do with our lives instead of the way that these merchants were living their lives. Paul, you know, in Acts and in other books talks about how he desires to go to such and such a place and do ministry. But he always leaves those plans open-handed to the Holy Spirit redirecting his path. That God might just change where he wants him to go and what he wants to do in the very moment or in the long term. And all the apostles seem to approach things the same way that Paul does. They seem to have this principle fixed in their minds that they would do nothing without the permission, and the guidance of God. Now, a lot of people have taken this uh, verse to heart. And so every time that they say they have a plan, they're gonna say, if the Lord wills. I don't think that's what James is trying to get us to do. He's not just trying to get us to verbalize something that could become meaningless after the first few times we say it. It's a deeper issue. It's a heart issue. It's this idea that we are, uh, instead of trusting ourselves and being self-reliant upon ourselves and planning our futures for ourselves, it's becoming uh, self-reliant upon God and trusting in God in all of our circumstances. Paul makes it clear that the issue here is not just saying a phrase or it's not a problem with business or profit or planning, but it's the arrogant schemes in verse 16, our arrogant pride. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. And all such boasting is evil, verse 16. It's removal of God and taking personal center stage of your life. I think that my fear is that this passage in this particular sermon is really for people that have difficulty with the sin of pride and arrogance. Now, obviously, probably everyone does to an extent, but there are some people that are extremely prideful. And what's sad about this is that a sermon on pride, the the people that it will probably touch last are those that struggle with pride the most, that are the most arrogant. We see this in the scriptures. As Jesus is interacting with the Pharisees, they're the ones that cannot seem to hear, cannot seem to understand. Their pride and their beliefs that they could have anything wrong or that they misunderstood or that they had something to learn has impacted them from being able to receive the message of the kingdom of Jesus. And so I pray that each one of you, myself included, would listen and would consider the ways in which we have taken center stage of our lives, what we have planned out our days without considering what God might have for us. So how do we avoid arrogant autonomy? I'm gonna give you four things and I'm gonna go quick. The First is this, I believe that if we want to increase in humility, if we want to get rid of pride in our lives, the easiest way to, to do that is to increase our gratitude. Because what gratitude does is it shapes our hearts to to be thankful for what we have, for the life that we've been given, for all the many blessings that God has bestowed upon us. When we have gratitude, we are recognizing someone else's power outside of our own for the life that we have, for the things that we've been given, for the blessings that are in each one of our lives. The second, I would say, don't make plans on your own. The first thing you should do is you should pray, you should seek the Lord, you should ask the Holy Spirit to reveal what it means for you to live your life for Jesus this day and in the future. But not only just pray, but, but, but bring in a community. Trust a community of people who love you and can test your motives to speak into your lives, to speak into your plans, to speak into your future. The third thing, I want to encourage you to watch your obedience. Not just watch your obedience over the long haul, but each and every day in the small moments. Check your obedience in the moment as you listen and follow the Holy Spirit. Each one of us every day, if we are following Jesus, are, should be sensitive, should be listening to what the Holy Spirit wants us to do in the small moments of our lives. And I think the question becomes, if we aren't obedient in those moments, in those small things, when the Holy Spirit reveals what we should do, then you probably aren't in the will of God for the future Either. How can we be in God's will for the future if we can't even be obedient in the present? So I want you to be willing and flexible to allow God to change your path and your plans that you had laid out for each and every day. Let the Holy Spirit speak and guide and move your steps so that you are living in the will of God in the small things as well as the big things. And the fourth thing and the most important thing of all to avoid this arrogant autonomy, is to boast in the cross. Throughout the New Testament, it says that we are not to boast in ourselves, but there are things that we can boast in. And that is Christ's death, God's strength, God's grace. And what it does is when we boast in the cross, it it, it lowers us and it lifts up God. This of the God who uh, saw us in the middle of, in the midst of our sin, running away from him, that, that came and died the death that we deserve so that we could live the life that Jesus offers. And so when we boast in the cross, it centers our lives on the death and resurrection of Jesus, which gives us life and breath and being and purpose and all the things that we so deeply desire in our hearts. So planning's not bad, profits aren't bad, but would we be a type of people that trust in God, that humble ourselves to trust in God with our very lives, the very moment uh, the next moment of our day and our entire future? Amen, We pray with me. God, we thank you so much for this message from James. If we dig deep, it's, it's a very challenging message to move outside of our arrogant autonomy. Our lives that's so centered on what we want and what we desire. Often things that are different than the things that you might have for us, even if they're not wrong. And so, God, we ask that as a church family, that we can boast in the cross. I pray, God, that 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 we can um, show a greater sense of gratitude that we can um, submit our plans and our future to you, God, and to our community. And that in each and every moment, we can be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives and telling us to do. Will be, we be like Paul, who have these well thought through plans, but have submitted them to you in every step of the way. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. We love to keep the conversation going. Find a weekly gathering or gospel community in a neighborhood near you. To find out more, check us out online at missyodechicago.com.